Within church buildings, there are a lot of sacred things, spaces, items, what have you, uh, for the parishioners that worship there. The altar is particularly sacred. Now, ours cannot move because it is attached to the wall, but I have heard complaint after complaint from my colleagues in ministry who get backlash from parishioners over moving the altar just a mere few feet away. Others have complained about the removal of certain items or the desire to do communion differently. That's the way we've always done it, harkens the familiar rallying cry. And truth be told, most people I know in ministry do not want to upset the status quo. Rather, they do indeed want to keep their parishioners happy and worshipful. And yet sometimes things have to change, even sacred things, in order to make the congregation move forward in ministry. When I first came on at Salem three and a half years ago, there were many things that were different. Just going to Captain Larry's on Wednesday night was a departure from traditional ministry. Having a children's area at Winter Wonderland was, as I came to find out, apparently a very big deal. At that time, three and a half years ago, we had families but none who lived in the neighborhood, and the idea of a young adult group was a mere fantasy. There were plenty of sacred cows that simply could not be killed. No one had any idea what missional ministry is, least of all me. And we've changed a lot in these three and a half years. I would say we've changed a lot for the better. But in order to do so, we had to look at what we were doing for what worked and what didn't work, and that could be painful. Change can be painful. Especially in a place like this that has worshipped the same God for 130 years. When it is time for change, we sometimes have to remove things that are near and dear to us in order to get the desired effect. And the end result might not be what we want. But we must not move where we are comfortable. Rather, we must move where the Holy Spirit calls us to be. I just think of some examples from Scripture. I have to think Saul, who would become Paul, was happy being a religious zealot. Amos liked tending sheep. He went very reluctantly to his prophetic job. Mary, I have to imagine, wanted to live the life of a teenage young woman in Israel, and Peter enjoyed fishing. Who doesn't enjoy fishing? It is almost unfair that they were pulled away from their respective lives and had everything changed just to serve God's purpose. But it happened. And that's how the world works. And that's how change often works. So let me introduce you to someone else who doesn't like change. And his name is Jesus the Christ. And while I know Jesus in the sense of being baptized in his name and proclaiming his gospel, I do not know Jesus personally. But I'm going to guess that had Jesus not gone down the road that he did, he might have led a very happy life as a manual laborer and part-time rabbi in Israel. Maybe he and Mary Magdalene would have gotten married and had kids of their own in real life and not in the lives of bird-brained conspiracy theorists. And while death is unpleasant, anything in that life is better than death on a cross. 
I can see Jesus being quite content living far away from this nest that is humanity. And we meet the Jesus of John's gospel for the first time at a wedding. And while there's no preamble to his life like there is in Matthew or Luke, we do get a glimpse that he's not yet up for doing anything too special. Sure, he has been baptized, and yes, he has called the disciples, but in this case, he just wants to attend this wedding and have a good time. And yet, who can enjoy a wedding when the wine runs out? I mean, come on. So his mother nudges him to do something different. His mother nudges him to do a miracle. His excuse is that he is not ready, but he does it anyway. Because it is time to change. And it is what he does that highlights that change. Now, I'm sure the wedding at Cana's story is familiar. And many of us focus on the water to wine, and it's fun. And I'm sure we all wish we could do that sometimes after a long, hard day. But we do not consider the water jars. Now, I couldn't get ten minutes of a sermon out of water jars. I'm not that good. But these water jars aren't just any old water jars. They're purity jars. They're meant for ritual washing to observe Jewish customs. They're not exactly the same as the baptismal font, but they have a similar importance. In other words, just as I wouldn't just dump a big thing of wine in our baptismal font so we could all have a party, you don't exactly pour gallons of wine into water jars to keep a wedding going. The water jars represent the way things have always been. They represent the new models of ministry that we're afraid to try and do. They are the unmoved altar, and they are the neighborhood that we claim we want to be in, but are afraid to interact with. They are the living embodiment of something that needs to change. We don't want to go there. Jesus does not even want to go there, but he does. And look what happens. Not only does he complete the miracle, but he even takes it a step further and uses new wine. As the writer of John's Gospel talks about, new wine is never used while the wedding is going on. Use the good stuff at first, and use the old gross stuff later when everyone is already drunk. But Jesus uses the new wine not to get everyone drunk, but he uses it as a symbol. He is taking the old traditions of Judaism, not erasing them, not ignoring them, but he is taking them and changing them for the sake of the gospel. That's what this story means to us. We may be afraid of change, but God is going to do it anyway, because that's what God has always done. And God is going to do it using, new, using methods new and old. Today, Salem's new council convenes. Of the seven members on it, only two were sitting there when I was called to Salem. And God bless Connie and Pat for still dealing with me. The other five have either joined Salem as new members in the time that I've been here or have returned to Salem after a prolonged hiatus. And they represent the new wine. And there is so much to talk about with the direction of Salem. I don't know where God is calling us. I'm not prophetic. But I know that God is calling us to continue to change and to seek the Spirit when we do. 
We are following in the tradition of the wedding of Galilee. We are following in the tradition of new wine. The gospel we are called to share has remained unchanged since that fateful Easter morning. And yet our method of delivery is always being made into new wine to the glory of Christ. May the resurrected Son of God, who gives us the bread and wine of eternal life, call you to consistent change while remembering that you serve the same God. Amen.